thank you so much for joining us. This is a little bit different. Um, we are the Fox Mogi Moms Podcast. I am your host, Sunny D. We also got our very uh, famous Captain J over on the other camera. Hello, everybody. This is weird. <laughs> Super weird. Uh, very out of our element. So please excuse the dust. We also have a very, very special guest. She is uh, has become a very good friend of ours, Angie Willoughby, the Green Baker. She's cannabis chief, podcaster, educator, and advocate. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. This is so amazing technology, guys. It's it's very strange. I'm I'm this is I'm getting adapted to this. I guess this is our this is our future, guys. This is a new yeah. normal. Yeah. So this is a little bit different too because um we're gonna post this up as a video on YouTube and we always just kind of do like voice. But if this is the first time you're joining us, welcome to the Pod Smoky Moms podcast. We're so happy you found us. You can catch us on our Twitter. We're Pot Smoky Moms on our Twitter, on our Instagram, a Tumblr. Uh, we are the Pot Smoky Moms on our Facebook podcast. Pot Smoky Moms podcast on our Facebook. And we also have a TikTok. It's, uh, you can find us on our PSM podcast. Don't on forget the TikTok. Okay. TikTok. It's very important. <laughs> So is everybody smoking something right now? Or what are we like? I have a bong I've kind of been hitting. No. I'm not I'm not smoking. No, did you eat anything? Yes, I did. <laughs> I rolled myself a little J of LA Confidential from True Weep. Oh, nice. I'm gonna light that up. Cool. I have a little bit of strawberry switchblade in um that sounds dangerous as fuck. Like, why would I? Sorry, can I curse? Yeah, like, yes, why, you can curse. Why? Why would you smoke? Why would you smoke something called strawberry switchblade? First of all, you're a Latino, okay, and we are known for our blades. So I think that that is slightly racist, and I think we <laughs> really take this up with somebody and talk to corporate. Yeah, I know. Some of the names being come fat, up with these that just sounds like illegal, illegal. <laughs> no, no. Strawberry, they put the strawberry in there to kind of soften it a little bit because if not, it would have just been switchblade and yeah, I don't think blade. that would have yeah, wouldn't be, I would not be appealing to me at all. Is strawberry switchblade a hybrid or an indica? Or a, it's a hybrid, mm-hmm. but it's like super purple. I have never seen anything this purple before. It's pretty beautiful to look at, to be mm. honest. Nice. Um, well, so how has everyone's weeks been quarantined? How about so, you, D? Week one. Yeah. Week one. <laughs> which is like, I don't even want to think of what this is going to get into. But I mean, I'm like quarantined already because I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have two little ones. So it's like I barely leave the house because it's like kind of a huge task. To. Yeah. But like this is like this kind of shit is completely overwhelming. And I have to kind of like keep thanking my stars for what I have and for, you know, a, a, what situation I'm in. Um, but it's really scary. And like now it's like, uh, I don't want to stay home anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now that you have to be home now, all of a sudden you want to be going out, right? Yeah. yeah Just absolutely. That have that, uh, the ability to right? like the freedom of being able to step out if I needed to. I think at the same time, it's kind of, Good. Like, I know it sucks, right? I know, like, especially for me in trying to all of a sudden have my child with me 24-7, um, which I don't know if I'm, like, the best mom. I don't think I'm a great mom. But this has definitely tested my skills as far as, like, what I think or what I believe I can tolerate as a parent. And so, look... <laughs> It's been seven days, and the fact that he's still alive, I feel like I'm hashtag winning. So. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag winning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So thank you, Mary Jane. Cause No, honestly, yeah. I think a lot of parents are thing. thankful for that as well at this time. And like, I, I couldn't imagine doing this without it, though. Like, this is like... like I don't know. I don't. I don't think I, I'd be able to make it. I wouldn't survive. I definitely wouldn't survive. Mm-hmm. This first week has been interesting because it's the first week where I tried the working from home thing, and I've 
Oh, like, oh, it'd be so cool to work from home. You know, it'd be so awesome. I, oh, I, I wish I had a job. Actually, not that great. I actually miss the office a lot. And maybe it wouldn't be so hard if at the same time I was trying to figure out virtual school, like, which we had never done before. And we had these assignments yeah. and then he was not getting it. So being interrupted every two or three minutes for my work because he needed help with his virtual school and how to do something. So, yeah, it's a Look, learning process for everybody. Teachers are severely underpaid. That's yeah. number one. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I mean, we already kind of know this. Yeah. But I think in doing this, like, we we really know, like, yeah. We definitely do not pay teachers enough. Yeah, like, and so many people are underpaid. The takeaway from this whole experience, this is one of the take- takeaways, is we need to focus on teachers. Yeah. We need and to all the workers. Them. Think about all the workers that are working right now. The essential business, grocery store workers, people that, you know... Um, Low-paying yeah. jobs, not fucking billionaire people, CEO motherfuckers. It's, this is like yeah. people who work at the grocery store. Please tell me how deserving do of, of, of higher pay grades do these people need to be putting up with this shit? Yeah. I just think at the same time, it also helps people to see, like, I think everyone always feels like their situation is so unique, right? And not everybody's situation is unique. Moms that work from home, moms that are stay-at-home moms, moms that are career moms. I think we're all kind of getting to see what everyone else's life kind of looks like (laughs) in a way. So I think to me, like when I transitioned from working, because I've always been a working mom, I've always worked since Danny was born, you know, and I'm part Jamaican. So I always have like three different jobs at any given time. So I am a working mom. And so when I kind of transitioned into working from home, that was definitely like difficult for me because I wasn't used to that. Like, like Jay, I was like used to being in like an office and like kind of having like this structure and this timing and like, okay, I have to be at work at this time. And then, you know, and then it was like, once I started working from home, it was like, oh wait, I got to kind of structure this in some way that makes sense for me. So I think that's really like the big takeaway for me is like realizing how important structure is not only for myself, but also for my kid and making sure like, because it was just kind of thrown at us, like, okay, school's going to be closed. And then it was like, we're going to come back on the 30th. So we're like, okay, cool. Then it was like, nah, psych. We're going to be back on the 15th. Yeah, it went from zero to 100. Like literally overnight. It was like, use your kids for the weekend. BTW, they're not coming back. Like, I'm like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> and my kid still doesn't get it. Like, he's like, am I going to school tomorrow? And oh I'm my, like, my son literally asked me that every single day. Yep. I took him every in. Day. He's like, mommy, am I going to school tomorrow? And I'm like, well, no, you're not. You're not going to school tomorrow. What's going on? I'm just curious. Like, well, my son pretty much hears it all the time. So he knows that there's something called coronavirus and that's why he's not going to school. And that, because that, I get the teachers told them that they may not be coming to school because of it and telling them about washing their hands and all that. So he kind of knows something's going on, but I don't think he really understands the severity of it and how long it's going to be. Like mm-hmm. I told him, you're going to be home for a couple of weeks. So just, you know, enjoy it. Stop complaining <laughs> about things. So I, I try, you know, just explaining that, you know, they're just being careful because people are getting sick and, um, you know, not everybody knows to cover their mouth when they cough and wash their hands. So they're telling everybody to stay home. And this is why it's important. It's just a chance to reinforce those skills, like making sure they know when they cough, how to cover their mouth with their elbow, to wash their yeah. hands constantly, try not to touch your face. Like As I touch my face. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm like, I, apparently, I love touching my fucking face. You just you mention something, and then your mind just keeps <laughs> it keeps coming up in the back like, of your yeah, head. Absolutely. Let's not touch our faces. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah my son is already. He already knows. We. I mean, like we we wash our hands, and I mean, even though like we haven't 
aside from just like maybe taking like a little walk around. But like anytime I come home, like from being out and coming home, I wash my hands. And so he's, he knows, he's like, mommy, it's the Rona virus. And I'm like, yeah, it's the Rona virus. You know, so I yeah. think, you know, like I think it's important to talk to kids and let them know kind of what's going on. And um, I was just talking about that with another parent recently yeah. um, today. Like, are you telling your kids exactly what's going on? Are you letting them know? Like, I mean, obviously there's some stuff that depending on ages and what they can and can't understand. But I think it's important to have that conversation with them because one, we don't know what's going to happen with this. This might be just a part of their lives from now on. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's important to like have those conversations with our kids so they know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And for you, D, your kids, it's like any other day because they're little, so they're just used to being home. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, when is that point in time when they're going to be like, yo, uh, we have any parties to go to? Do we have any family to go visit? Like, what is the deal? (laughs) They're going to be like, we love you, mom, but... I'm just waiting for the moment that someone's like, can we leave? Can we go somewhere, please? Because I'm... And then you're going to be like, no. You cannot. <laughs> and that's when you break out the Mad Max gear and we all start looking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we got a cardboard and styrofoam and yes. <laughs> paper towel insides. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even want to think about having to go to the store. Like, I'm just... Yo, I'll tell you. I went to Walmart today and it was mad crazy. Like, it was mad crazy still? Yeah. Like, bananas crazy like i was like luckily i had started hearing whispers of it so i actually went early in the morning i put my son on the bus i think it was actually that friday before school that friday when they you know stopped school and i told my wife i was like it was like seven o'clock in the morning or like 6 45 i was like i'm gonna go to walmart and just pick some stuff up <laughs> and so luckily I did that because then it was like all hell broke loose because schools were out and their kids are eating up all the food. And then it was like trying to get into a store was like, it was like fucking, you know, Mad Max. It was like, you know, craziness. So I'm really glad that I kind of did that a little bit early. And so kind of got us set up a little bit. So now all we're just kind of doing is just Going in and replenishing little things here and there, you know, like, okay, let me get some more bacon because my son really loves his bacon in the morning, you know, (laughs) that kind of shit. (laughs) I mean, it's whatever's available, I guess, right? Pretty much. I mean, and I think it's really important, you know, that we're eating well, you know, like not just fucking snack shit all day long, you know? So I try to make sure that there's like, actual food here, you know, and fruits and which for the most part is still pretty intact. So lucky for me, (laughs) that stuff is still good, you know, and of course we have the little snacks and whatever, because my son and my wife, I don't know what it is. They're snackers. That's what they do. Me, I'm like one good meal. It's like they snack. Sometimes when you're more stressed, you snack more. No. This is on a regular, okay? And now they're both home. And so now they're going to work my last good nerve with their snacks. Well, they're so lucky to have a chef as their mama. I know. Everybody's getting peanut butter and jelly sandwich. This is going to be like prison. It's going to be like, okay, y'all are home. You think this is going to be fun? No. You're getting peanut butter and jelly every day. <laughs> you know what I told what I told my husband? I, was like, I don't have all day to be cooking a meal every day. Like, no. Yeah, no. I told, I, told, I told my husband, I'm like, hey, just buy up a bunch of combos. You know, the combo snacks, <laughs> all the flavors, just buy all the different flavors. I'm like, I, I feel like eventually I can live off of just those if I have to. <laughs> Straight combos. And they come in flavors, man. They have flavors. the salsa ones. Yeah, they have the pizza, the, pe- the pepperoni pizza one. That was my shit. The that was my pizza. favorite one, the pepperoni pizza one. I did try. I mean, not the regular. Exactly get it to taste like pepperoni pizza, and I don't think I want to know. But that was my shit. That was my jam. Yeah, I could. I <laughs> love combos. Yeah, it's a wonderful yeah. on-the-go snack, and you can have any kind of flavor you like. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, D, <laughs> Andy's interview. 
So hey, yeah, let's let me let me give you guys a little bit of background about Angie. Um, first of all, we we met her at an event in Tampa, and oh my god, so amazing! <laughs> um, she was more amazing in person than she is. I mean, oh. I don't know any other which way you have her. She's even more amazing in person. Uh, but right. Angie is a cannabis chef, connoisseur, and advocate who believes in the medicinal, recreational, and financial power of the cannabis plant. Uh, she started her green, her green baker uh, company back in 2018 as a way to use her 20 years of culinary skills to create delicious, medicated goodies um, that could be enjoyed by everyone, hopefully me pretty soon, um, including her son, Danny, which we definitely uh, want to hear uh, so much about. Um, he was born with cerebral palsy. Uh, you can find Angie, the Green Baker, on Instagram uh, at the.green.baker on Facebook. Um, and the website, the green. So the website is www.thegreenbkr.com. And her exactly. podcast. So you should check her podcast out as well. The Green Baker podcast. Yay. She's so pleasant to listen to. Thank you so much for, for being with us. We love you so much, girl. I love you guys. <laughs> I wish we could be in person. I know. We and usually so. when I do interviews with people, I usually bring them edibles. So that's what I was hoping. I don't know if oh. you know this about me, Angie, but edibles don't work on me. And I was really hoping to try something of yours and seeing if I could get, like, you would have to do something potent for me because I think she, that's Yeah, she's high tolerance. So you, I definitely have told her in the past that she needs to, like... Up it. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many, try, so many times tried cannabis edibles with my friends and everyone else is baked and, like, peeling it. And I'm and not, you're like, I'm good, thanks. But like, no let's thanks. smoke a blunt. Like, this seems like. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I don't want to be like one of those people that's like, <clears throat> because I think that just sounds so like cringy. It's like, oh, well, you've never tried my edibles. Because I do <laughs> think that sounds like a dude that's trying to get a lesbian to sleep with him. Like, oh, you just haven't had the right dick. That's why you're gay. Like, no, dude. I'm just gay. Thanks. Like, <laughs> so I think that's always really cringy when people are like, I don't really get high off edibles. I don't really try to convince people otherwise. I think um, there are so many factors, so many things that are in play when you are doing edibles that it's not really to my advantage to try to convince you like, Oh, you had just haven't tried mine. I'm the best. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't. I yeah. just don't even do it because it just doesn't. It's not a good look. And then what if you eat it and then you don't feel anything? And then you're like, ah, oh, you suck too. You know, like, <laughs> I just rather not set myself up for that. <laughs> no, so, I think yeah, everybody's different. So it's like everyone's different. Everyone's different too. But I've just heard that some people completely such a huge Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to eat mine with food because it doesn't. Like I have to, I have, I did tinctures, the oil drops, the Binsky's. Mm-hmm. I did them without eating anything. And I was just like, and then I sat at Cracker Barrel for dinner. <laughs> and as I was having dinner at Cracker Barrel, I was like, yes. oh, yeah, here we That's go. Right. <laughs> That's right. And I have so many customers that are like that. Um, you know, they'll take it, they'll eat it, um, you know, because I'm actually transitioning the, my um, my brand. I'll still be doing edibles, but um, I'll be expanding out into just doing like oils and tinctures and things like that. Um, that that'll be sold or people can buy them in conjunction with my cooking classes that I'll be doing. And so, so um, cool. you know, so, so far I've had like some people buying oils because, like I said, I think everyone should be able to medicate in a way that makes sense for them. And so sometimes if they have like dietary things, if they're like, well, I don't really want a cake, I don't want to, you know, then I'll be like, well, you can just get the oil and you can just sprinkle that shit on everything. Like Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, so I do stuff like that. And a lot of my customers have that issue. They'll like write me and they'll be like, well, how much do I take? And then why am I not feeling anything? And I'm like, hey, boo-boo try eating something, you know, because sometimes that does, that does happen. I'll yeah. take my own edibles 
And like, I'll take a gummy in the morning and I'll be good. I'll be like, okay, I'm not feeling anything. And then I'll like have lunch. And then all of a sudden it'll be like, whoa, hello, Edible. How are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah. And then there's other times where I take it on a completely empty stomach and it, it does its thing. Like, it's like, hey, we're here to party. And I'm like, you know, so everyone's metabolism is so different. That's why I would never, ever, ever try to convince someone that like my edible, my edible is going to be the thing that's going to convert them because one, it's a plant, you know, a plant is of mother nature. A plant is something that we can't control. And I think I, well, actually the podcast that's coming up with Rafael Alvarez from Third Day, he was on my podcast. Um, you know, that was a conversation that he and I had. I was like, you know, it's cannabis is not like, you know, Xanax or Percocets or Tylenols or aspirins where they are chemical compounds that are made. They're exactly the same every single time. You know, when you're dealing with a plant and I really believe in whole plant. So that's what I make my edibles out of is the whole plant. You know, you can't control what Mother Nature does. You yeah. know, I can only extract it and then use it in the way that it's supposed to be used. But I can't control how Mother Nature makes that plant. And then I can't control what your biochemistry is. I can't control what your metabolism is. I can't control, you know, so I can give you suggestions and go, okay, well, maybe try to put it on something while you're eating it. Yeah, or you have to try different ones with too. Yeah. Just like sometimes yeah. with, with flour too, like some might get you panicky and weird and you just don't like that, that strain or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's so, there's so many, um, I would say there's like good, like kind of guidelines, you know, like I try to tell people like, Hey, if you've never done it, start slow, start low, you know, have it with something to eat. Make sure you have some high CBD. If you overdo it a little bit, you know, like there are guidelines, but there is no, in my mind, there is no like straight, I mean, unless you've experimented enough and you know your body and you know yourself. And that is once again, a personal thing. I can't tell you how your body metabolizes something. You know that. So if I give you these guidelines, like, Hey, maybe try to do it this way and it works for you, then cool. Then, you know, okay, yes, I have to do an edible and I have to eat right away, or I have to take it with something because it's not going to do anything. And that's how you learn, you know? And, um, so yeah, so I hope to get something in your mouth you <laughs> i want to try it <laughs> did you, so you what? mentioned that you use always whole flour in your edibles like do you tend to always use like hybrids or sativas or what do you like do you vary it depending on what flour you get it just depends available to you i yeah it just pretty much depends on whatever is available to me um you know, I do, like, I don't use any distillates. I don't use any isolates. I don't use any of those it's. Um, you know, I use whole flour because I believe in the whole flour. I believe mm-hmm. in the cannabinoids, the terpenes, the flavonoids, all of those things in that flour that we need to have a full experience. So it just really depends. You know, I'm still on the black market. So I don't get my stuff from a dispensary. So unfortunately, until we get regulation here in Florida for adult use, um, it's pretty much like, hey, what you got? (laughs) You know, and it's like, whatever I get is what I get. And I try to have a variety of things just because I know different things work for different people. But I have like zero control over that. I know what I can control as far as like testing everything and making sure that I have dosing information making sure that I know what strain that I'm getting, you know, going to really reliable people that I trust in this market. Um, but those are the only things I have control over. I wish, oh, I cannot wait to be able to like, be like, when I was in Canada, I went to Toronto last year, no, year before, and it was like, I lost my ever-loving mind. <laughs> I was like, lost my ever-loving mind. I was like, can I have a quarter of that and a quarter of that? And I ate yeah. that. And like, you know, and just being able to just cherry pick exactly what I wanted based on the experience that I wanted to have. Yeah. And it was just fucking amazing. Magical. It was Magical. Well, edibles should be coming to Florida soon. They just started the, have you been following that? The legislation on, on the yeah. edibles? Yeah, I've been following that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like, do you have plans that, like, once it's part of the legal for edibles here for the Green Baker to be able to... She's like, 
You're like holding back something. I mean, I mean, I definitely have been following it. I mean, anyone that's in this industry, I think, has been well, at least because that that's my particular niche within yeah. the cannabis space. So I've definitely been following it since I started the business two years ago. Um, you know, and trying to just be really involved and keeping myself informed. I'm super excited about the edibles that are going to be available to MMJ patients now here in Florida because there is definitely a demand. There's definitely a need for it. Um, but I also know that people are still going to come to the black market. So I'm, I'm diversifying because I feel like there's going to be a need to be diversified in what I'm doing. That's right. Diversification, boo. That's the 2020 catch word, you know, diversifying what I'm doing. But, you know, ultimately, I feel like the demand is going to, the supply is not going to be able to reach the demand. And so there's always going to be that little margin. And that's where I'm well, there's not that many patients if you really think about it in the state of Florida compared to how many people actually consume cannabis. Like when you see how many active MMJ payment, uh, patient cards there are, it's very low. It's not even half a million people. And no, it's no, not. I think yeah. the last I think the last numbers I saw were three like three hundred and sixty four thousand, somewhere around there, like maybe like three I think it's gone up to say, like it's in the 400s or close to 500, but either way, think about how many people really smoke pot and eat pot yeah. and like, consume But I, I think it, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with what is available. You know, um, there are a lot of people that would probably want to get their card, but don't want whatever products are offered in a dispensary. Yeah. You know, so I think we'll definitely, as the dispensary starts to roll out the edibles and stuff like that, I think we'll definitely see a bump in those numbers because people are going to want to now get their cards. Um, but I think it's it's a financial issue, you know, because it is very expensive mm-hmm. to maintain every six months, having to get recertified just so you could, you know. Um, so there's a lot of barriers, I think, too. And, and the fact that things are so very gray here in Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of gun owners that don't feel safe getting on the registry. There's, you know, parents that would love to medicate their children, but trying to get a doctor to sign off on that is really difficult. So I think there's a lot of little, very particular barriers that stand in the way of- That's one of the questions we get a lot, actually, that you mentioned just now with the gun carriers. It's like, can I still have my gun if I'm an MMJ? You know, I'm like- And it's a fucking gray area, dude. Yeah, it's still like, okay, they're trying to pass. Yes, you can technically still at this time, but they're still trying to change that. So yeah, yeah like- Yeah, so- People are always going to err on the side of caution. They're just, they're going to go like, if there's any sort of gray area where I can't have what I want, then I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. I think. And you yeah, should have to get a things. card to be able to consume cannabis. Like it's a plant. It should be available to everyone, not just patients. Yeah. Everyone's a patient. It's something for everyone. <laughs> it is something for everyone. And it is, I think, something that, should be made available to everyone. Just as much as I can go into that crazy ass Mad Max Walmart and <laughs> buy my alcohol and buy my wine if I choose to as an adult, right? Mm-hmm. Then I think it should be made available to everyone to make their own educated decision. And it should really be up to the government to educate people so they understand what it is that they're doing. But I don't think that it should be regulated like oh you can't or can't do this because i'm a fucking adult i pay bills i pay taxes i should be able to say what i want or don't want to do in my own body in my own home you know and so yeah that's you know that's the state of the mmj right now and hopefully you know after this whole coronavirus thing and you know people really seeing like cannabis is being an essential you know, service, right. you know, yes, this will help to push things a well, little, push, push that conversation further. The economy is headed in the gutter. Like, do you want to open up a whole new sector where you have jobs coming, becoming available? And it's just, that's the other takeaway. It's pay teachers more, open up the fucking cannabis sector for your economy to start 
boosting if if if, if it's re- i mean it's good i think this is the tip of the iceberg guys i think we have to hold on to our nipples real tight because this is gonna be tremendo it's ride up. it's up God. i think the first time i tried it i must have been about maybe 18 um i was uh like kind of like a a kind of I don't know. I guess if you talk to like my family, like my cousins and stuff, I was kind of like a goody two shoes because I was the oldest one. So I was always like, kind of like, la responsable, like, oh yeah, make sure you watch out for your brother and your cousin and that, yeah. you know. So I was a little bit Are of you a like goody two shoes. The oldest one? I'm the oldest uh, grandchild. I'm the oldest child in my home. And wow. then with cousins. You're the one that I'm everyone like, looks up to. Yeah, like, so I was always, like, the responsible one. I was always one that's like, yeah, go with your cousin and make sure they're okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I didn't really try weed until I was 18 and I was in college. And um, so maybe a little bit of a late bloomer, but whatevs. And, um, and honestly, I just did it because my friends were doing it. And I was like, I've never tried it. I'm in freaking college. I'm on my own. Ain't nobody here. You know? So, um, so yeah, I did it. And I don't really feel like it was a really memorable experience. I don't feel like it was a bad experience, but I don't feel like it was a good experience either. It was just kind of like, I was hanging out with my friends. It's college. It's the first time I'm on my own. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really have that stigma kind of built in of like, ooh, don't do it, don't smoke, you're going to get addicted. I didn't have that narrative in my head, um, even though I had grown up in, you know, the dare era, you know. Yeah. But, um, but I didn't really have that stigma. So I just, I did it because my friends did it. And I was like, fuck it, I'm in college. I'm 18. I can do what the fuck I want. You know? <laughs> and did but, you love it immediately or was it like, Later on, Honestly, I was also drinking too, um, and I didn't really. I don't even know if I smoked it correctly. I have no idea. Um, so I don't know if it was the weed or if it was the drinks. I was drinking a lot. Sorry, mom, but I was. And so, honestly, I don't really even know if it was the weed or if it was the drinking. But yeah. I felt good. I was like, okay, this is cool. You know, like awesome with my friends hanging out you know it was later on that you were you ended up kind of like going oh this is um i just this is like yeah this is it for me i just i I didn't feel like it was bad i didn't feel like it was good it was just kind of like cool let's do that you know and i had major major and because i didn't grow up doing it and i didn't really I don't want to say like I didn't feel a need to do it all the time. Like, and my friends were like super cool, like major fucking potheads. I when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, they were fucking stoners to the max. But I never <laughs> felt that pressure from them. I never felt like smoke it, smoke it, but like never felt that pressure from them. Never felt like that, like, oh, she's not smoking. What's wrong with her? Never felt any of that from any of my friends. But it yeah. was just it was just always around. And I was just, I was cool. I was just like, oh yeah, dude, switch to doing cool. Awesome. Have fun. Like, you know. Um, and we drank a lot too. So it was like, you know, cigarettes, drinking, and then weed. And it was just kind of like, that's just what it is, you know. Um, but it was it was a good time. When did you like take the leap to start cooking with it? Like you're like, oh, when did you first try edibles and like realize, hey, I like this? Actually, funny story. So my aunt, my very favorite aunt, the aunt that I grew up with, um, she was kind of like the rebellious one in the family. And so, you know, she used to tell us, she was like, yeah, I smoke a little pot. You know, like she's like, it don't hurt nobody. You know, I don't do it around my kids. I don't, you know, she was a very responsible pot user. She was a mom. She smoked. Um, I think it made her the cool one in the family. You know, she was that Thea that all of us would go to when we had like sex questions and like shit that we didn't want to talk to our moms about, you know? So she was that cool aunt, you know? And so, um, and so she's always had her little, you know, her little weed and it helps her and whatever. 
And um, and she was always like, hey, if you're going to do something, I want you to do it at my house. I want you to do it with me. You know, like one of those. Yeah. So um, so it was actually, I think it was like her 50th or 51st birthday or something. And so my cousin, her daughter, came to me and was like, hey, I really want to make some cupcakes for my tia, you know, my aunt. And I was like, oh, well, shit, cool. And at the time, I had a cupcake business. So I was like, cool, I'll do this. You know, I, I can figure this out, you know? And so that's actually the very first time I actually cooked with cannabis. That was for her birthday. I made these. I made mango cupcakes for her for her birthday and I did my research and I was like, okay. And honestly, I don't even know if I did it correctly. You but I can of butter? Did you do can of butter? Yeah. butter? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I made a can of butter because that's kind of like the gateway drug to edibles yeah. is a can of butter. And so I made a can of butter. I put it in the cupcakes and then I actually saved one for myself just so I could try it. And, um, and so I sent off her cupcakes and then I had like half a cupcake and I was feeling so good. I was like, <laughs> this is fucking amazing. <laughs> I should do this all the time, you know, because I didn't have any way to dope. I didn't have any way to test. Like at that time, I had no knowledge yeah. of dosing. I had no knowledge of therapeutic doses. I had no knowledge of it was, I smoke to get high. Okay. That's what I do. So if I'm going to eat an edible, it's because I want to get high. Yeah. You know, so I felt amazing. I was like, wow, this is actually really freaking awesome, you know? And um, and so that was like the first time that I actually cooked and ate <laughs> weed. Because up to that point, I'd always smoked it, you yeah. know, with blunt and a joint and a pipe. You know, that was kind of what, you know, what the method of you know, consumption I had done up to that point. But yeah, that was my very first time cooking. With How long food. after that experience did you decide to become the Green Baker? Many, many, many years. Yeah. Probably like five or six years. Um, actually, maybe longer than that. God, that was, yeah, maybe like six years ago. That was six years ago. And honestly, it just never occurred to me to turn it into a business. It was just like, hey, I did this for um, a family member and I'm like, cool. I'm so, the novelty of it was really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, I wasn't enlightened enough to understand the medicinal purposes of cannabis. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had my son in that time frame. You know, I had my son and he was, um, you know, born with cerebral palsy. And, you know, I'm always looking for things you know, my family's always been very kind of holistic. My mom has always been very kind of holistic. And, you know, we do, you know, when you're sick, you do white rum with some garlic, ginger and all that, you know, like we're always kind of looking for kind of those holistic kind of homeopathic. You're Jamaican, kind of right? What? You're Jamaican? Part, yes. Half okay, yeah. My dad, my mom's half Puerto Rican and my dad's half Jamaican. Yeah, the island, the island people like uh, holistic is like, they could come Everything. up with the craziest concoctions. <laughs> and, and they work. Here. Yeah, and they do. That's the thing. They actually work. <laughs> you know, so I've always kind of been like that. So, um, you know, once I started educating myself a little bit more and edible, edibles kind of was my preferred method of, um, you know, getting high after my mango cupcake experience. <laughs> it was like, gosh, I could really, you know, and every once in a while I would still smoke or whatever, but I wasn't smoking consistently. And, um, and so after I had him, it was really when I started to research a little bit more, not only for myself, but for him, um, in a way that, um, could alleviate and give him a really great quality of life. And so that's when I started kind of researching more about cannabis. I started researching more about the healing properties and what it's for and all of this. And honestly, I began to see that I had been not doing it in the wrong way because I don't think there's a wrong way to use the plant. You know, I feel like the only wrong way to use the plant is if your intention is wrong. But, you know, until if you don't have that knowledge, then you just don't know. So once you know better, you do better. So once I started to learn more, then I was like, wow, I really could make this something really great, not only for myself and for my son, but for other people, you know? And then it was like, I 
need to educate myself. And then I found that I started needing to educate my customers. And I was like, okay, I need to really learn more about this. And so it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, honestly, I started it as a way to have a business. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always had my own business. I've always, I've never wanted to work for people my whole life. So it started off as being a business. It was like, I'm a chef. I have 20 years of culinary experience. I know how to make butter. I can make it in a way that's good for my son. And I know exactly what's in it. And I, he can take it. I can take it. I can make it into products. And then my products were kind of sitting there because I wasn't taking it as quickly. And so I was like, I could really sell the rest of this stuff. And then it was like, it just kind of snowballed from there. And then became the green baker, which, you know, now it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing because now you're taking the education that you've received to do it and now you're educating other people, which is great because it's like knowledge is power and it's just like if you have it, why keep it to yourself when you can share it with everybody? Yeah, yeah, you have to. I like an educated consumer anyway. I think it makes us more empowered. It makes us more um, understanding of this plant and how we can use it. In whatever form. That's why I said, I don't think there's a wrong way to use cannabis. I think everything comes down to intention. You know, if you're just in it for your own, you know, your own thing and your own and that kind of like greediness or that, you know, then yeah, absolutely. But if you're like, hey, I've only ever smoked it to get super high and blitzed out of my mind. Okay, cool. So let me let you know that there are other ways to use it. And then maybe you can also incorporate that into, in addition to you wanting to get blitz, because great, that's great if that's what you... Yeah, responsibly, right. You want to do it. Wait. But there are other ways to use it also, and you should have all of those tools so you can make an educated, personal decision about how you want to use that plant. And it's not my job to tell you how to do that. It's my job to educate you, but it's not my job to tell you how you should or shouldn't use this plant, right? So... Did you yeah. face a lot of backlash when you were using it for Danny? Um, honestly, my I think the only person that was worried was my mom. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like if I am going to go to his doctor and his doctor is going to put him on anti-seizure medicine, if his doctor is gonna put him on um, muscle relaxers, if his doctor is going to put him on all these different medicines, and I as a parent am willing to put him on those medicines, why would I not want to put him on something that is natural, that is not going to have any side effects, like any of those other medicines that we would give him, right? So to me, it was a very clear, like, this ain't shit. Like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm good with my decision as a parent. Um, So it was more so other people's perception. And obviously, of course, I think as everything, I was very private about it. It wasn't like I was going down the streets like, I'm giving my child weed. Like, I wasn't doing that, you know? Right, right, because it's personal too. It's nobody's fucking business, but... Yeah, like it wasn't... You know, if there was a parent that maybe was struggling with something and I could offer them some advice or some insight, then I would definitely do that. But... You know, I didn't think it was anybody's business what I was doing with my child or what I chose to do with him. It's okay for me to say, oh, my kid's on Ritalin, my my son's on Adderall, my son's on Xanax, my son, you know, those things are totally okay. But when I'm saying, hey, I am personally making his medicine according to what he needs, somehow there's an issue there. Right. So I, I, to me, it wasn't, it was never an issue. I think my mom, of course, obviously, because she comes from that mindset of it being a drug, you know was like, oh, what are you giving him? You know, and I'm like, it's very safe. I know exactly, like, I test all of my oils. I test all of my tinctures. I know exactly how much. I feel more confident in myself than I feel in pharmaceutical companies, just to be honest. You know, so I know exactly how much I'm giving him. You know, I'm not overdoing it. I'm not trying to get him high. A therapeutic microdose is actually more beneficial than higher doses of THC or higher doses of all of these kind of things. So I understand that now, you know, that's my education. And so, yeah, I feel really confident. I feel really confident in sharing that with other moms because I think, yeah, like you said, there definitely is such a stigma tied to like, if you want to medicate your child, you know. And I feel like it's, mothers need to hear this from other mothers so that they start to understand things because if if their mind has been clouded up to believe that, oh, those prescriptions, 
are the things to go with and they see that it's not helping their child at all mm-hmm. like some mothers the, need to the side effects other moms, uh, you know uh other mothers um you know how they've how it's helped them to kind of get a little bit more of a better idea and stay away from all the you know all the talk from the prescription doctors or whatever sorry yeah and um how have you i mean what how has cannabis like benefited um danny's cerebral palsy like what symptoms does it help with what does it what does it do exactly because i'm not too familiar in, on what benefits it has yeah so cerebral palsy is obviously a lifelong disease he's mm-hmm. going to struggle with it for his whole life there's no cure there's no uh reversal there's only um you know there are certain surgeries and things that can help to assist in him um you know growing and developing as normally as possible um but the way that you know his muscles are made they are strange to just say like it does it, they don't develop in the same way that other muscles do because of the nerve damage neurological damage that he has um and so um when people have cerebral palsy their bodies just kind of grow in a certain way and they kind of adapt and to me i'm thinking okay if my legs were supposed to be this way and my legs are constantly like this you know there's going to be pressure points there's going to be pain there's going to be discomfort that my body is not even going to know that i have because it's just used to always being like that right um for instance i had a wisdom tooth that I had to have pulled and I kept putting it off. And I was like, I'm not gonna, you know, I ain't got insurance, I'm not gonna go. (laughs) Until it got to the point where it was completely unbearable. And then when I got it extracted, I slept so good that night that I didn't even realize how much pain my body was compensating. You know, my body was doing naturally what it's supposed to do to compensate for the discomfort and the pain that was in my tooth. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until that, that tooth was taken out that I realized, how much fucking discomfort my body was in and what my body was compensating for. So it's kind of the same thing with his cerebral palsy. He just grows in that way and that pain and that discomfort is there and his body just kind of accounts for it. But mm-hmm. it's always there because his body obviously just continues to do what it's supposed to do. The human body is incredible, right? So I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, if my son is in constant discomfort and doesn't understand or know how to verbalize that. And because he's always been like this from birth, he doesn't know any other way to be. His body is growing and evolving and changing and adapting, you know, to the, how whatever it needs to adapt to, to, you know, continue the progression of his growth, then why would I not help him and give him some sort of assistance to help in that, right? So, um, it definitely helps with any pain or discomfort he might have. You know, he's very verbal, but um, he does not always understand and know how to verbalize when he is in pain or in discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, being able to help him in some way to manage that and have a better quality of life. You know, we know cannabis obviously helps with neurological issues. And I mean, honestly, we don't even understand the depths of this plant yet, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but I think more so than anything for him and why I give it to him is for one, overall, overall health and wellness, um, you know, to combat any sort of other neurological issues that he might have that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And also what comes with him having cerebral palsy and then just his quality of life, managing his pain and discomfort that he might have. He is a growing boy. He's 11 years old. So his body is going through all of those changes that an 11 year old is going to go through, all the growing pains, all this, in addition to having cerebral palsy, yeah. right? So it's like, okay, how... What, you know, I always tell people cannabis is a tool. You know, it's not everything. It's not a cure-all. It's not, I'm not going to just give him cannabis and not take him to the doctor. You know, I'm not going to just give him cannabis and say, oh, he doesn't need therapy. No, it is a tool in my toolbox that I can use to help him, to assist him to have a better quality of life. And so as I I hope as he gets older, that I'm able to really see the impact of that over time, you know? So 
um, yeah, that's what that's what I use it for right now for him, you know. Um, and not to mention just mental wellness, you know, like that's a lot to deal with. Your body is changing, you're going through hormones, you're yeah. going through all kinds of different things. And then on top of that, you're not able to move in the ways that you want to move. You're not able to communicate in the ways that you want to go. Like, you know, so (coughs) hashtag, I microdose my son. (laughs) And we appreciate that you share that with us because people out there, I'm telling it's. I am so constantly moved by other mothers who reach out to us and go, thanks for like talking about this. And I don't feel like I'm a criminal for like using this to de-stress and making this a part of my life. And it's just, you know, I, I just, that's why I like to, I, I feel like we should, you know, we love talking to mothers who have experiences like yours because it's important for us to know your experience and to share your experience, especially with your son. I think that's good information to put out there. Other people are struggling and maybe they need to hear it from yeah. someone who's not their family member or whatever, you know? Or even hearing the negatives from family members and feeling like this is something that I want to do. This is something that I want to try and just feeling so much pushback and so much pressure from society or family that, oh, you shouldn't do it because it'll make you a bad mom. You know, Um, first of all, not doing what is right for your child is what makes you a bad mom. So (laughs) if you feel like this will help your child, like, there, there ain't shit that I will not do for my son. Like, legit. I don't give a damn. I will be a criminal <laughs> to take care of my child. I, so there are not mountains or rivers I wouldn't cross for him. Yeah. So why would I not, if it is something truly that I feel, and I'm, I've educated myself to be able to understand how to help him, why would I not use that knowledge to help him? That's my job as his yeah. mom, Yeah, you know? So please don't feel bad. Please don't feel like somehow you're making a bad decision if you're a mom and you want to have the right to decide that you want to use cannabis medication for your child. Just as much as a mom has the right to decide that they want to put their child on a pharmaceutical. Yeah. That's your decision, love. And that's wonderful. And if that works for you and it works for your family and it works for your child, more power to you. A mom that wants to medicate with cannabis or that wants to medicate their child with cannabis should have that absolute same ability and same access and same education as that mom that wants to put their child on whatever pharmaceutical medicine might have been prescribed to them, you know. 100% for real. That's... Well, you actually mentioned that you wanted to discuss a little bit, just to switch gears a little bit, is inclusion of minorities and uh, LGBTQIA in the cannabis industry. Not gonna lie, girl, we had to look up IA because I'm still very... (laughs) A lot of acronyms, boo-boo, okay. You know, and I feel bad because sometimes I am super (laughs) clueless and I just don't mean that to be, to make me come off as being ignorant. I just don't I honestly, at the end of the day, I, I've never, you know, I have friends that come from all sorts of the spectrum. So I've never even really, I don't know, labels have never really been my thing until now that we kind of sort of like just to educate people about it. You know, we need to, people want to feel included. So we have to talk about it and we have to do put do labels so that we could talk about it. Exactly. It's conversation. It's dialogue necessary, unfortunately. Yeah. And I agree, labels should not be a thing, right? But when it comes to educating other people, when it comes to self-identifying, those labels are really important, especially in having a conversation with other people that aren't may not be familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it is important. Um and it is evolving constantly. <laughs> you know, I mean, even I consider myself on that spectrum, but it don't feel, I think... And people it, evolve. It evolves. It, 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 people are evolving, society's evolving. So I think even like myself being a queer person, I feel like sometimes I'm not even like up on everything that's happening, you know? So I think it's about keeping an open mind, being respectful, 
being able to say, hey, I don't know this. Please educate me. Please help me figure this out. You yeah, know, what I can think I do to make you more comfortable because I know that this world could be very hard to navigate, let alone someone who's struggling with something or being able to be themselves because of, again, the stigma of whatever, you know, they're going through. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I feel like there is so much space, so much opportunity in this cannabis industry for so many people. And, um, you know, and unfortunately a lot of us are being kind of, I don't want to say locked out, but I feel like there is no, there are no avenues for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So if there's no path, that there's no road for you to follow, then it's very difficult for you to have access. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I feel like as minorities, as women, as people on that spectrum, you know, um, we kind of have to make that trail. We have to kind of blaze that trail because there's nothing there right now. And if we stay quiet, there's never going to be anything there. <laughs> so I feel like it's so important um, that we have conversations, that we continue to have conversations, that we continue to educate ourselves, stay really involved in what's happening politically. And I know that's really difficult to do. Cause... I know, but if you care about, honestly, if you care about marijuana and you care about being a parent, which is what we normally talk about on our podcast, like you have a responsibility of voting, of being involved, you know, like it's it's a social responsibility that people need to educate themselves and make, you know, go out there and, and vote. Because if not... Yeah, it's important. 10% caps suck. <laughs> but, you know, I think it, it is important. It is, it's important that we, we are, um, that our voices are heard. Um, and like I said, it may take some time. It may feel like at times things are not progressing as quickly as it should be. But, you know, I think there was a really great point that... Um, you know, um, Elizabeth Hayes uh, from Compassionate RNs was on my podcast and, you know, she was saying, like, we have to remember, like, the Florida cannabis industry is in its infancy. Like, mm-hmm. we are, like, just cracking the surface of this thing, you know? And so I feel like it is so important to have these conversations and to make our voices heard at this time, because if it's not, we're going to get totally left out of the conversation. We're going to get totally left out of the whole thing. And then that next generation of women, that next generation of moms, that next generation of, you know, minorities, um, the next generation of LGBT that come after us are going to have that much harder of a time to lay that foundation if we don't do that now. Mm-hmm. While things are still very much in its infancy, things can be changed. Things can be modified. We can have these conversations. And so I feel very adamant about that, especially being a a business owner myself and, you know, identifying as a woman and, you know, just as a person of color and knowing how difficult it is just in the normal everyday world for us, you know, in this space, it's even more so. And so, um, just because there's so much money involved. So, um, you know, I, I feel very adamant about being involved, keeping ourselves educated and keeping ourselves, um, and, and on whatever level that is, it doesn't, you know, like we don't all have to know everything about what's going on, but I think creating a very conscious kind of conversation is important, you know? So, um, I have some really great resources and I always kind of keep myself really educated on what's happening because I think it's important, you know. Um, so also coming up on 32 minutes, I want to get to this because uh, we definitely want to promote you and promote everything you do. We love you. We know you have a couple things planned that are coming up that we're actually going to be a part of as well. Oh, you did. How did the um, you had an event recently too, the vagina catalogs. Are you guys going to keep doing that? Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, um, we're definitely doing that again if Rona doesn't keep fucking with us. Yeah. So, um, but the plan was pre-Rona. <laughs> Let's get used to that because it's going to be pre-Rona and post-Rona. Um, I'm so, so glad it, it hasn't been a huge part of our conversation, though. I'm, I'm so glad, too, right? 
Um, so the plan is, and it still is, um, up until this point, we were going to go to Orlando. We had um, our first ever one in Miami at Liberty Health Sciences um, at the end of February. And it was such a great success. We had 40 people there. Um, and it was just such a great turnout for the first time. You know, like there was never anything done like this previously. So to have that kind of turnout on like a Hail Mary first time kind of thing was really kind of great. And, um, and so we're already in talks to bring it to Orlando, uh, Tampa, uh, Gainesville. Oh, uh, you know, we, tour. Yes. yes, it's a tour, nice. girl. It's a tour. <laughs> so we want to take it all over the state. You know, we want to take it all over the state. We wanted to really reflect the women that are in those areas and topics and things that are very particular. We understand that Florida from north to south, east to west is completely fucking different. <laughs> you know, like, Whatever is going on in the cannabis space in Miami probably isn't the same stuff that's going on in the cannabis space in Jacksonville. Or, you know, they have very particular, and that's what is beautiful about Florida. And that's also what's kind of difficult about Florida because every municipality is different and every demographic is different. And, you know, like, so we want to really have this, this vagina catalogs all over the state in different areas to really reflect the women that are in those areas and what things are particular to that area that affect them. And, um, and just have an opportunity for them to network together, to have camaraderie together, which I think is so important, um, just as women who are mature and maybe have careers and children and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's just amazing. It was it's been such an incredible outpouring of support from everyone. And, um, and it's just been really great. So we were supposed to go in June. We were supposed to be in Orlando. So I don't know what's going to happen, but we will see. And then after that, we were going to go to Tampa. And then after that, Gainesville. And like what he says in uh, Freaking Toy Story, to infinity and beyond. Yeah, so, yeah, it's pretty That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally awesome. Also very awesome. You had a wonderful idea that we're going to be a part of. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The Cannababes oh, Adult babes. <laughs> well, you know, now we're going to have a little Rona talk, people. So <laughs> get used to it. But, you know, we're all quarantined at home and we're bored and we're parents and we're with our kids 24-7. And so, you know, I am such a weirdo. You know, I get these ideas. And then I have people around me that are such enablers. I love them. Um, you know, but... We're part I, of that. <laughs> yes, you guys are part of that. Um, and I love that people just like roll with me. They're just like, yeah, let's do it. You know, but I just, I thought like, fuck, we're with our kids all day. We're probably hearing the same 13 songs over and over again. We're going to lose our minds. And what would be really fun? And I was like, I should just get a bunch of my, my, my can of girl gang and we'll read adult children's stories to each other. And so that's how Cannababes Adult Storytime came along. That's so, going to be super fun. You have a whole schedule up. Uh, please yeah. check out your Instagram. Uh, yeah, we'll so it'll be Monday through Friday. So we can have a break on Saturday and Sunday because don't nobody want to read those stories on Saturday and Sunday. But it'll be Monday through Friday. Ten, um, at 9.30, we'll be going Instagram Live. I'll be hosting it with whomever that uh, designated cannababe is going to be for the evening. And they get to pick their own story. So whatever story they want to read, it's up to them. And um, it's like Mr. Rogers meets cannabis meets um, Sesame Street meets... I don't know, like Rick and Morty. I, I, it's going to be really funny. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm excited. I can't wait. Yes. yes. Really I can't wait for you girls to have your story time. And I'm sure it's going to be amazing. So definitely please check us out. Please follow me. And I'll be posting every day, kind of reminding people about the live that'll be going on and share it with your friends. Cause I want this to like, blow up into something incredible. You know, maybe we'll get other people from across the country. Who yeah, knows? Join in. Yeah, totally. Oh, the time. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be Getting great. Online entertainment as often as possible. <laughs> yes, totally. We do. Oh. And it's another way to connect, you know, and create community, which I always think is so important. 
I prefer to do it face to face, but you know, this is what the circumstances have given us. Yeah. So we're going to create community online. And I think it's a great way to do that. And make you know. the most of it, right? Great That's idea. What we can do. Great well, thanks so much for, for joining us. We love you. Thank you for, for hanging out with us. Thank we can't wait to hang out with you again yes. next week. Um, please share. Next time uh, it's in with edibles. Sorry. Sorry, huh? Dana. Next time it's going to be in person with edibles. Yeah, yes, sure. it will be. <laughs> so share, rate, review, subscribe to not only the Pot Smoking Moms, but the Green Baker as well. We'll post up her link so that way we can all be connected. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on Pot Smoking Moms. We're uh, three minutes and 12. Uh, upgrade to pro? I don't think so, uh, Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to tell them, Sonny D. <laughs> Stick it to the man. <laughs> well, anyways, good night. Thank you so much for joining us. We love, love you. Love you, bro. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Keep don't your fingers out your nose. <laughs>